0: Welcome to Recast, presented by the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each episode will look at a key issue of mission or discipleship for church leaders in Scotland. We will be bringing you key voices, practical insights, and unique stories, all focused on the church in Scotland.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Recast. I'm Lisa Holmes. I'm just being trusted to do this on my own today because Glenn is away on holidays. And uh, so we're going to do something a bit different. We're going to have some mini podcasts uh, interviewing some interesting people and some of the things that they are doing around the nation. Um, And we hope that you'll enjoy these short podcasts over the next few weeks. So Today we have with us Rachel Conway-Doll, and uh, it's really lovely to have you joining us again. Rachel, some of you people will remember you from uh, Canopy this summer up at Dunblane High School. Rachel, tell us where you are and uh, what you're up to at the moment.
0: Great, hey, thanks, uh, Lisa. Uh, yeah, so um, I work with MS World Mission. I'm based down in Leeds at the moment. Uh, And my job is, uh, my job title is the Overseas Team Leader for Relief. So that means I look after uh, and oversee all of BMS World Missions uh, disaster relief work, any recovery work we do, and working with our partners uh, when they're facing times of crisis. So at the moment, I'm working very much with the European Baptist Federation, EBF, uh, supporting them uh, in their response to the Ukraine war uh, across the region.
1: That sounds like a pretty demanding role. Um, Is your background in that kind of area? Uh,
0: So I've grown up with BMS, really. Um, So I studied Geography and International Development at university. And um, my passion has really grown through the years uh, for um, supporting Helping Baptists talk to each other. We're not very good at that sort of thing often, um, but recognising that actually as a church and as a family of churches, we've got so much that we can offer to each other and support each other uh, in in these sort of times of crisis. And um, my passion for uh, mission and overseas work and supporting different communities around the world really came from um, when I was very young actually and I had a, um, my school was uh, connected with a school in South Africa and I was part of the pen pal group and uh, that sort of thing and that really expanded my uh, horizons really and um, just opened you know opened my eyes to the world around us.
1: Yeah sounds like you're in the perfect job for you. <laughs> so tell tell us something uh, something that's just a little bit unusual about you that's uh, maybe something you do in your spare time or that's something
0: you film. enjoy or uh, that's a risk. That's a risky, risky. It is a very risky question. Um, I, I used to live on a canal boat. Oh, did you? Yes. What? So for several years. Uh, so uh, this is clearly not a canal boat. Probably this back hole, the space I'm in now, is probably as big as or bigger than what we used to live in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we used to live on a canal boat on the Oxford Canal um, oh. and moved around, which was which was great. We loved it.
1: Yeah, and good company with uh, Alan and Ruth Donaldson in there. Yes canal boats then as well. So um, when you came to Canopy, we were talking together about um, lessons we can learn from the church in a war zone. And um, obviously we could have chosen a number of different places around the world, sadly, Uh, all too many to choose from. Um, Mm. But uh, obviously we are focusing significantly on Ukraine and really conscious that as we're talking today, we're over 150 days into that war that I think all of us hoped would be finished, didn't we? Um, And so, you know, I know you've been out there um, and obviously it's part of your role as well, but maybe there's some lessons or things that maybe we could learn or benefit from hearing about um, Mm. in our lives uh, in Scotland, in the UK, uh, from the church in Ukraine. I just wondered if you could give us some windows into that.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting it's a really interesting time. And it's a really, um, and you don't get me wrong, ev- everything that is happening is absolutely horrific. Um, you know, the levels of violence, levels, levels of destruction, you know, we've not seen this in this region for, for so many years, and, and it's appalling what is happening. Um, and at the same time, what is happening within the church is actually really exciting i i think from my you know from my role and what i've seen in lots of different places um in the midst of uh, all this violence of all the stress and trauma um the church is really stepping up across the region to be a real light and a real witness uh to god's love really um which is you know, just the thing that's needed at this time, just some semblance of hope and love and in the world and community. And I think I think when we come out of this, um, whenever that will be, and hopefully it will be soon, I think there'll be, um, you know, we've heard of lots of incredible stories already of uh, of people doing amazing things, but I think there'll be even more stories mm. that, of things that will be happening. Um, and that's quite exciting. But I think uh, the thing that I took away, I, you know, I had the privilege of uh, traveling to Poland um, to see some of the refugee centers there. And then I went on into Lviv as well mm-hmm. um, in Ukraine to kind of meet with some of the Baptist Union team there and see some of the work they were doing. Um, and that was back in uh, April. So, you know, a little while ago now. Um, and later this summer, I'll be going to Moldova and Romania to meet with mm-hmm. some other churches there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see some of the differences, but whilst as in, uh, when I came back from Lviv actually in Ukraine, lots of people were kind of saying, oh you know, it must have been a really really stressful, really terrible time, you know, how was it like, you must have seen some terrible things, and um, I had to kind of, I've had to explain to quite a lot of people that A, a Ukraine's actually quite a big country, <laughs> <laughs> um, you yeah, know, it does take quite a long time to get from one place to another, and that's not to say Lviv has not had, you know, not been impacted, and it has had uh, strikes on it, and there has been you know, uh, some terrible, uh, terrible incidents that's happened. Uh, but it's, by no means the front line. So I'm not some kind of hero driving to the front line <laughs> of the war. Um, yeah, you know, we did have, uh, we did have air raid alarms that that happened, and and that was quite, it was quite insightful for me myself actually, where we. Um, you know, the air raid alarms would go off at night and you'd have to come out there at the place we were staying, go across the road, go down into the, the bunker, kind of wait for however long. I think it was 45 minutes to an hour, the uh-huh. two times it happened for us. Um and the it was insightful in the sense of just the disruption to your day, the you know, the waking up and the kind of adrenaline that kicks in and the, Mm. oh, okay, right, this is happening, need to get across, need to get to some place of safety. And uh, the kind of, and it was a tiny glimpse of the reality for some people, Mm. but the the tiny glimpse of reality of this is happening several times in the night for some places in Ukraine, uh, and has been for the last half many months. And Mm. you can see when you start to put that into perspective and into other people, into people's lives that, are, that this is happening to that is exhausting. It's mm-hmm. terrifying. Um, you can see why some people have just stayed in bunkers for weeks on end. Um, because it's just not, um, you know, not safe. And and the reality was that Lviv didn't get hit those nights. It was, um, it was elsewhere that got hit. So we were, we were very safe. Um, uh, but just that anticipation and the ongoing trauma and the kind of the stresses of of life um uh, and uh, was were quite insightful i think and just gave a different outlook on kind of what lots of what everyone is facing across the country mm. and i think in you know in Lviv we were talking to the 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 union and the team there and uh, and there's some incredible people there's some really faithful leaders some really incredible leaders that are really wise as well. You know, bef- even before um, the, inv- the escalation of the invasion, you know, this has been happening since 2014. In reality, I think yeah. we often forget about that. Um, they were—they've been supporting churches in the east of the country that have already been affected by this conflict uh, to mm-hmm. provide uh, emergency items and support, uh, and before before the escalation in February, they had been starting to talk as a leadership team about what happens if this gets worse, what do we do? So they'd already been starting to to talk to churches across Mm -hmm. the country to say, you might want to start thinking about this, you might want to start stockpiling some stuff. And I Mm -hmm. think that was quite interesting because I think often um, we're in churches, certainly in the UK, we can often be a bit... um, We can often be a bit scared of the the unknown or the kind of anticipating things and going, oh, this seems like it could be quite complicated or quite scary. But actually, the reality is the fact that they prepared and the fact that they went, this might happen, Mm -hmm. meant that the churches in Ukraine have been at the forefront of the humanitarian response, really. I was talking to some other charities, some big Uh, Some big international charities a few weeks ago, and uh, it was a couple of months actually, and they were talking about, you know, they were going in to start setting up some of their offices and start their HR processes (laughs) and recruit some people, and this was in May. This was in May, and they hadn't hadn't started that yet. And I was thinking, oh, that's, you know, that's great (laughs) for you. That's really good. But I was, but we've actually been operational since. Uh, you know, since before the 24th of February. Um, And that was quite poignant for me, because I think it really highlighted the fact that as churches around the world, Mm -hmm. we're really well placed as a community, as a global community to respond to things that are happening. You know, we know our communities, there's a presence there, there's relationships there's understanding, there's knowledge, you know who to talk to, who not to talk to, who you need to keep on side, you know, who's very willing to volunteer, um, you know, all those sorts of things. And I think that's been really, really illustrated in this response. And and I don't know whether people realize, but the Baptist Union of Ukraine is is the biggest union, uh, biggest Baptist union in um, Europe. And it's actually one of the biggest if not the biggest protestant grouping in ukraine Mm. itself so it is really significant it's about two and a half thousand churches um that are in a network across the country that are responding and i think um you know what what has also been really interesting again people have kind of been saying oh how's the church doing and what what how are they coping and And seeing even just normal life in uh, kind of daily life in Lviv was quite insightful as well, because the reality is that people are getting on with life. (laughs) Um, You know, I think, and I think all of us will probably have some experience of this from the COVID lockdowns and stuff. Mm -hmm. When there is something that disrupts your norm so much to such a degree as human beings we try and create kind of crave normality and try and create routines so in Lviv we uh, went to church in the morning and it was the first Sunday that the uh, Sunday schools were back were you know kind of back on and so the children went out they did a little presentation at the beginning (laughs) you know uh, they went out to their kind of classes Um, there was a lunch for those that were in kind of staying in the church that were refugees Um, We walked around the city afterwards and the coffee shops were open, there was street jazz going on, you know, there was kind of normal life was running. And I think that's what we've also seen in the churches. Um, I was talking to a, a couple of the leaders and uh, and follow some of their work on social media as well and you know the other week they'd organized a pastor's conference
1: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Um, they've had baptisms and weddings and marriage courses and marriage prep courses and things like that things that um you know kind of I think is quite hard for us sitting here to kind of fathom how amidst kind of all this trauma you know, you would have the energy or kind of Mm. will to organize a marriage prep course, for instance. But for them, as churches and as communities, these are things that are normal, and they're important. And why would you stop them? Um, And so I think that I think that's probably been one of the biggest um, or is one of the biggest lessons that I think comes out of this um, is that life continues and the church continues as well Mm -hmm. um and I think that's quite exciting Uh,
1: yeah I think it is and and I think you know um that whole thing about the church being so located in its community and rooted and related it is is such a thing that all of us can identify with, isn't it? And I yeah. and you know, I, I don't know about you, but I put on my BBC News app and then think, oh, I wonder why I did that. Um <laughs> because you know most of the news is quite frightening and, and quite yeah. impacting. And obviously the situation in Ukraine um impacts globally as well yeah. into our own nation and also you know into poorer countries as well and so but we're, we're there in the midst of that experiencing the same as everyone else but with you know hope and uh, love and grace and mercy to share with people within our community I, I think that's kind of a good and encouraging thing to take out of this how, how can we pray I mean some of the stuff I've been reading over the last few days um actually appears that maybe things are going to get worse again um how might we best pray uh, for our brothers and sisters in ukraine at this point
0: yeah i think it is and i think it it's really hard to know sometimes how to pray as you say it in times like this because it's so uh, it's, it's so alien i guess to all of us um i think there is something about i think first of all in uh, before kind of prayer points i think that first of all there's something to say that actually they When they hear that people are praying for them, it just encourages them so Mm. much. Um, And if you ask them kind of what they need, kind of, you know, uh, as well as we'd love some more money to be able to provide (laughs) more support. Actually, the biggest request is prayer because they Mm. know they can only do this with God's support. And so I think. the Ukrainians' number one prayer request would be for the war to end. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, that is a genuine prayer request that gets repeated all the time. Um, uh, but then I think there is uh, there's a need to pray for the leaders and for the different church leaders as well. You know, although life kind of goes on, it is exhausting. Mm. Um, it's very tiring. It's very... Um, you're very involved, it's very mentally draining. So prayer for for all of them as they're making um decisions about what to do, how to support, how to continue you know, their kind of ongoing ministry. Um, you know, the churches that had thriving ministry with um people with addictions and things like that, mm-hmm. and still trying to support all those sorts of communities as well that they were ministering to before the um, the escalation. So um prayers for prayers for the leaders of the union and the churches but prayers also that for their kind of ongoing ministries um that they can continue to serve some of uh, the people they were serving prior prior to the escalation um there is a that you know there is a real need for uh, working out how um how they can support churches and people and communities across the country mm-hmm. um you know resources such as money However, you know, the fundraising efforts across Europe have been absolutely phenomenal and the generosity of churches has been incredible. Um, The reality is, I think, you know, however much money churches raised, it would still would not be enough um, just because of the extent of the devastation. So I think for wisdom for churches about how they can use the resources they have in Mm -hmm. um, ways, in the best ways, in creative ways, in innovative ways, in ways that are still going to support uh, the people that are most in need um, yeah. so I think those would be some of the the top prayer requests as well. well
1: that's really helpful Rachel and I imagine that there's more information on the BMS website um and also the EBF um, as yeah. well and they're still doing their prayer meetings every Wednesday evening, and as the Baptist Union of Scotland, we are supporting Yura Fedorov, who's a church planter as well in Ukraine, so it'd be good for people praying for him particularly, and their ministry. Are there any other um, resources that people can access?
0: I think those are some of the best ones. I think, you know, as BMS, we've put together, in conjunction with EBF, some videos, um, and we showed one of those at Canopy um, uh, for people um they're perhaps slightly longer than we would usually do but they're really helpful kind of um I think really helpful resources just for reflecting over and for kind of putting some faces Mm -hmm. um to some of the stories you know each of each of the stories that we hear about is a person it's a family and and I, I think some of those videos really help articulate that and kind of give a a picture for our prayers as well um so I think those are yeah they're all on the website
1: Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, thank you as well for what you are doing in your role for BMS. Um, It sounds super challenging and there's a huge amount of things to be done there. So we pray for wisdom for you as well in what you are able to do and also what you're not able to do. Um, And as you communicate with the churches and get us on board with thinking about these things and praying for people in different nations. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It's been great.